0: As we continue our conversations on art and identity, one aspect of this discussion worthy of attention is how changing environments and the different seasons of our lives impact the way we think of ourselves and how we engage our art. Joining me for this discussion today are singer-songwriters Daniel and Lauren Goins of the band Lowland Hum. I'm your host, Stephen Roach, and this is season 12, episode four, from self, with love. Lowland Hum is the musical work of husband and wife duo Daniel and Lauren Goins. Their indie folk sound is characterized by winsome harmonies, poetic songwriting, and raw, authentic craftsmanship. The band has spent the past 11 years touring the nation and sharing stages with familiar bands such as the Oh Hellos, Josh Ritter, and Penny and Sparrow. In today's episode, Daniel and Lauren talk with me about their collaborative process, how environment impacts their creativity, and the inspiration behind their new album, From Self With Love. And if you'd like to go deeper with us in these conversations on art and identity, see the show notes of this episode or visit patreon.com slash makers and mystics. Okay, Daniel and Lauren, what an honor it is to have you guys on Makers and Mystics with me today. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: So you're in your studio in Charlottesville, Virginia today. What is this like? I'm seeing some paintbrushes and stuff in the background. Tell me about this studio. Did you guys build this yourself?
1: Yeah, so this building used to be a horse stable, and it was kind of like falling apart when we moved (laughs) here. We live sort of North, just north of town, kind of out in the woods. Nice. And um, so a friend of ours who is a touring musician, too, he had built a tiny house, so I asked him to come over and look at it, and I was like, dude, could this be a studio? Like in a way that you and I could make it a studio? <laughs> um, and Lauren, Lauren's actually better with tools than me. Uh, I've put all my eggs in one very, very specific basket. Um, but anyway, so over a couple years with our friend uh, Ben Hardesty, his band's The uh, the, Last, the Last, Bison. Last Bison. Yeah. Oh, yes. I've heard of those guys. He's very scrappy, and um, we kind of used mostly the materials that were in the building, and we did everything ourselves that you can't die from. So we didn't do electrical. We didn't do HVAC or drywall, uh, like putting it on the ceiling. All these things we could be it could it could be the end of the whole thing. so we we avoided those things and then we did the rest ourselves. yeah, so it's it's about six hundred square feet. We're in the control room now, and then there's a little live room and then a, a vocal booth, and there's a loft. it was Lauren's idea to put a loft over the vocal booth, so there's a mattress there where people can sleep if they want, and then books and records and stuff up there. so it's it's a compact little spot, but it's been a, a real a game changer for us because we were recording either renting places or recording in just uh, our, apartment. our apartment where we lived yeah. in downtown Charlottesville for years. Which actually years.
2: sounded pretty good, but then when we decided we needed to move, our new spot was like there was no not really yeah, a good way good. to do that. Yeah, We live in a log mm-hmm.
1: cabin a couple hundred feet away from the studio,
0: and, and it it's... It, the rooms are it, tiny
2: yeah. and strange, and it just, I just don't think yeah. it would have Yeah,
0: Yeah,
1: not, not a good sound,
0: so... Well, I'm always interested in how environments impact your creative process. So I'd love to know more about how the environment that you've curated here at your studio, how this has impacted your songwriting or your you know, lyric writing or even your experience together. Tell me more about how this environment shapes some of what you do.
2: I think that it has slowed things down in a, in a way that is helpful. Just in that before we would be set up in our living room or in a space away from our home. So it would be like these very distinct moments when we could create and either we needed to like clean it all up afterward. There was a big effort involved in like getting rolling and then like ending for the day and tidying up and to have a space where we can just like step in and start work at any moment or if we have an idea or if there's just a break in the day and we can just go out and do it, that has changed our process significantly. I think it's made it feel more spacious. Having children has not made it feel more spacious because <laughs> those, those moments are fewer and farther between than they used to be. But all the more a blessing to have a space that's already set up when you do have like a quick window. I feel like it's allowed us to not feel like we have to cram, but to like there's just more breathing room in the creative process, I think.
1: Yeah. And for many years we were the way we would make records is we would tour about eight between seven and ten or eleven months of the year we'd be on the road. So then there'd be a two week period where we knew like, that's it. Like do it then. And, and so there was a and kind record of
2: record at the same time, please.
1: Yeah, recover and record. It. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um so we would kinda it was kind of more of a sprint mode and we'd be kind of riding more piecemeal. And right now it's more like much more frequent jump in and out. And there's a bit more of a yeah, more of a marathon um, kind of flow to it. And
2: there is now more of a marathon flow. Yeah,
1: as in like we're it's a slower paced, longer term yeah. operation. Yeah, yeah. Um and we also the writing has really changed. Uh and the studio is part of that I think. But what we do now oftentimes is in years past we're about to put out our eighth album uh on september 21st and Hmm. on all of the albums before this one it was all extremely um collaborative we would do everything at the same time together and that's been our whole life basically together the last 10 years but this new album we had we have two kids um now and one of them is two and a half and one of them is A half. I'm just kidding. Um, So basically we would, a song usually starts with one or the other of us and then we would kind of pass it back and forth a little bit and then we would just sit down and do these sessions to finish it. Now it's kind of like somebody's holding a baby and walks out to the studio and it's like time to switch and then the other person grabs the baby and goes back to the house and then the other one's in here in this totally separate space that is just for music and um, surrounded by things that are inspiring to us. Some different things we've found over the years and the instruments that we've spent so much time with and toured with and we're slowly dialing in stations in here so that it's kind of like there's a sort of house sound and there's kind of a a, a way that things are done in here so that you can jump right into i have this idea well it's ready go do it you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. that's that's the goal longer term but yeah the kind of mm-hmm. passing the songs back and forth but this space being where they reside all the time mm-hmm. i think that has really effect it feels like a distilled kind of air in here and the focus you step in here and you're like you it, it's the focus is more immediate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you record mm-hmm. in Fear your apartment, you throw the stuff up, you, you do what you can, and then you break it all down because somebody's coming over for dinner and there's it's only a one-room apartment. So, <laughs> Or if yeah. you're like
2: me, you're accident-prone and you cannot leave cables sitting out on the floor because you will fall <laughs> and you might break something valuable. So,
0: <laughs> Inevitably right, yes. Well, you said 10 years earlier. Is that how long you've been making music together? Yeah. Or how long have a you little been more. doing it's this? been
2: like 11. It's been since... We started writing together once we were married, but we started collaborating like with just me singing with Daniel before. So it's been at least 11 or 12 years.
1: Yeah. And Lauren's mm-hmm. background is visual art before this band. So at first, our first collaboration was she was doing an album design for a record I made in 2010. Mm-hmm. But then she started singing on the record because I heard her sing somewhere and I was like, whoa. And then you know, then that led to all kinds of things. But eventually, I also realized she was hearing So, I mean, I think many people, when you play them a song, they're just hearing what you're playing. But some people hear things that aren't, that you aren't playing. And I don't understand that at all. But that, that happens to me. Someone's playing me something. I hear other things too that could be there or not. It's, you know, I don't, I don't ever think this has to be there, but I just think if they ask me, Something could be there that I know what it is right now. And Lauren has that too, um, as well as being a songwriter. So I think that's why we've collaborated on everything because part of what the band really is, is our instincts blending together into something that neither of us could make um, separately. Mm -hmm. And we're big fans of the idea of augmentation. We talk a lot about relationship as augmentation, meaning some people would say that there's all this compromise involved in relationship, and that's true but I don't think it's a the kind of compromise that is diminishing. I think in a healthy relationship, you both are more than you are separate from it. It's hard to understand, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of work, and it's not... Tension is a big part of it, I think, but... <laughs> um, and we're figuring out out a lot right now so we're Mm -hmm. in a high tension time Mm -hmm. um, yeah like today Um,
0: (laughs) and in this in this season so So, yeah so should we turn this podcast into maybe a therapy session what uh, what experience do you have talking people down no I think we're We're in a peaceful place yeah it's peaceful but there's stuff to work out it's it's high friction is another way you say it but that's just part of it well that's something that I'm curious to know more about because with both of you being artists, both of you being individual songwriters, visual artists, you know, I'd be curious to know how your creative processes differ from one another. And how you've learned over the years to make room for one another. You mentioned, you know, you don't. it's more augmentation, not so much compromise, but I'd be curious to know more about what you've learned over this past decade of collaborating together and how you've learned and how you're still learning to make room for each other's you know, differences in your creative process.
2: That's a great question. Do you want to start or you want me to? I can start. Okay. I mean, we are very different from one another and our brains work very differently. Daniel Daniel's mind is extremely generative and he can just like spitball like so many ideas. Many of them are very, very good and they just kind of are an endless stream. which That's is,
1: really nice, but many of them are also very dumb.
2: Well, it's I'm telling you the truth. I think <laughs> I, it's incredible how much his mind can generate in a short amount of time. Um, so if we're sitting down and writing together, my, my brain needs space for things to kind of like bubble up and come to the surface, and my brain just processes really differently. So early on, we kind of learned like, Daniel could propose ideas until the cows come home, but my mind is trying to digest those while I'm also trying to see if there's anything in me that wants to come up too. So we've learned how to leave space for me or how to like separate or like maybe there's a kernel from something Daniel came up with that I take to a room by myself and just tinker with for a while. I tend to create, at least in terms of lyrics, I tend to do best with like a pencil and a pad of paper and Daniel's more of a typer straight into the, you know, computer and my brain just functions differently. My thoughts flow differently when I'm writing. So, yeah, I think we've learned how to like take turns almost and then reconvene and share what we're thinking. And and amazingly, we often both feel like like there's very little conflict when it comes to trying to find the answer to a problem we both generally are like oh that's the thing that's the that's Mm -hmm. the answer that serves the song that's the solution that yeah yeah, that that best serves the song or the concept or the melody or whatever and i think it's morphed even more over time especially since having children but that still kind of seems to be the mode my brain needs a lot of space and daniel could kind of always create something it's incredible He's, he's like a fountain.
1: The only thing I would add really is that having a sort of huge amount of raw material, um, Lauren is incredibly adept at shaping that. So when we're That's arranging, true. when we're arranging, so I produce records for other people and I do that mostly alone. So I definitely do arrangements by myself, but a lot of times I'll arrange a bunch of things and then I'll kind of present them to her and especially for lowland hum stuff she'll she'll kind of have a very clear sort of vision about no not that that's too much there let's pull this back let's take half the notes out of that part it's like it's very it's very very clear and i think the music benefits greatly from her more distilled way of being
2: we both write we both write parts but Yeah. yeah i do think I'm 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 noticing more recently too, especially in this time period where I'm like, the kids are really young and my brain, I feel like over half of my brain is being used to heal my body and make milk and keep the children alive. (laughs) And Daniel helps so much with that too. But the things that he can't physically help with, my body is just consumed with that. So I feel like I have a very small slice of the pie chart of my brain to create, but I do feel like my what I bring most right now is like tweaking raw material and sc- kind of sculpting and chipping away and edit- kind of like an editor's brain, I guess, in this moment.
1: Or and lyrics, too. Yeah. And the way Lauren writes lyrics is much more like poetry. So she would come with a whole kind of a complete thing a complete work that we would then, usually it's relating to a guitar part or a piano part that I've played and, and given to her to listen to. And and then we'll together figure out, is this a song? I've learned to trust my subconscious, which is strange, but at our shows in the last five to seven years, I've been making up songs on the spot most nights and I just whatever memory surfaces, whatever is coming up and I and sometimes it's very embarrassing and personal and very intense sometimes it's just like ridiculous sometimes it's some story I'm making up right then but that's it's always amazing by
2: the way I love it so much
1: <laughs> I sweat a lot when I do it in certain scenarios if I if I want to be cool if I if I'm really hoping everybody thinks I'm cool, then I make myself do it usually right then. I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." Yeah. And I just start doing it and I usually embarrass myself, but it but it brings all of us closer, it removes the barrier between me and the people there and um, helps yeah. me be present. But I've learned to trust that because there's a vulnerability there that I think the editor in me would try to take out of the equation, and I think that's that's mm-hmm. not a that's not a good instinct. I'm trying to manage people's perception of me or I, I want to be something that I am not actually. And, and what I really need mm-hmm. to share is myself with people and trust that in that something beyond me could half occur. With it, half on the phone, half you, half me, half drowned in the divide.
0: Daniel earlier I wanted to go back to something you said when you were talking about vulnerability and you're talking about just making these songs up on the spot while you're performing live. One question that I had in mind was about how the audience affects your creative process or how the audience plays into it. And I know as a performer myself, you know, the energy in the room and and being with an amazing crowd of people Really generates some inspiration and almost the confidence to go after, you know, some other things. But I think if the consideration of the audience comes too early in the process, that's something Rick Rubin talks about in his book, you know, is that the audience coming in too early. Maybe a negative impact on it, but when when we're talking about vulnerability and and just being able to stand in front of an an audience and create on the spot, there has to be a real comfortability there uh, and a real personal embodiment of who you are to be able to do something like that. So I'd I'd be curious to know more about the vulnerability piece and then how the audience impacts your creativity.
1: Yeah, that's a great. That's you're pulling a bunch of good threads all together there. I think the. I'm a huge believer in the necessity for like of momentum, so you need you need momentum to even do any of this stuff, and so that's speaking to the Rick Rubin um if the audience comes in too early, it's also true if the editor in your mind comes in too early mm-hmm. you're not able to do anything um because what you're trying to do isn't 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 anything yet. So if you if you turn on the editor or you have the audience present too soon, you you you're locked up and and you you close down. I think I I think completely different things are possible in the context of different audiences, like completely different. And and, and in that way, I have no idea what's going to happen um, on a given night. And I would not say I'm a very confident person, but I would say I trust that I have been used and will probably be used again. Mm -hmm. So when I do these songs on the spot, usually the way it feels in the room is like, we're all kind of confused for a little bit. (laughs) And then it starts to find something starts to congeal kind of. I love it. And then it's like, then we're all kind of delighted because what I have to do is turn off the, I have to turn off all my filters. So I don't know what I'm going to say, but I think when audiences believe that something could happen, that could affect them deeply, you can feel that. And then you kind of, but part of you is kind of like, are you sure? And then a part of you is like, I think that's true. Like, I, I know that I can, I've, I've felt this come come out of me before. And and that's that has to do with not just making things up on the spot. But I think you've done a lot of improvising in front of people, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So oh, it's yeah. very similar. You, you have this feeling like the audience has opened up a space now for me. And and we could go we can go to higher heights than we have ever gone on this song potentially right now, because of them. Yes. And and that's together right. something something combines and all of a sudden the roof is off the place and you're thinking, I love it. I don't know what I don't know what's gonna happen now. Like we're up in the we're <laughs> yes. up in the sky now. Like I don't I don't how where are we Absolutely. going?
0: Absolutely. That's that flow state that we all love, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And
1: I think that that's really much to do with the audience. And even even a band like us where things are close arranged throughout each song, it does not ever feel similar, really, um, night to night. And if you're really present, you can feel that it's not the same at all. And each person's presence has changed what it could be that night and what it could mean. And I think, you know, I I always say this, but I think great teachers don't really tell you anything. They just open up a space in which you could discover something. So our highest hope is that the music that we make could open up a space in which something could be discovered by us and by other people and 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 maybe we could there could be some move toward wholeness you know relating to some of that it's very mysterious and and i think we don't have much control over any of that no!
0: So this season on the podcast, we've been talking about the relationship between our art and our sense of self or art and identity. And, you know, as artists, our creative process and our art making tends to become such an integral feature of who we are, you know? It's, it's the way we show up to the world. It's the way we interact with the world. It's, it's the way we communicate, you know, the things that are important to us, our values, our life experiences, but as our life situations change our relationship to our own art making and our own creative processes change you know even so much in this conversation we've talked about your creative process together the environment i also know that you guys are new parents and that parenthood has now been added to your process of life and and to what you guys are doing and so i'd love to hear from you, how parenting has challenged and changed and blessed and inspired your own relationship to the art that you're making, how it has maybe changed even the way that you see and think about yourselves and, and what you do. I know that's a, that's a large question there, but I'm really curious to know how your art and your sense of identity relate as you move through these you know, changing seasons in life.
2: That, yeah, it's a great question. And I feel like we are still very much in process. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. we have not arrived anywhere. Uh, (laughs) I hope this is not where we've arrived because it doesn't feel great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But
2: um, yeah, we have a, I think Daniel mentioned a two and a half year old and a a six month old. Um, And it's, I mean, they're really sweet, gentle, pretty. It's. I feel like we couldn't ask for a better situation in terms of like what they're bringing to the table. But, um, it's it's just so intense. I think because we did this for like nine and a half years without children, we developed such yeah. a mode of being together and a way of working together and living together. And it was, it definitely wasn't perfect, and there was still some imbalance and struggle. But yeah, it just totally upended our like we just were floundering Yeah, (laughs) for lack of a better term. I, I, it really has been a whiplashy experience to become parents for us and just the amount of focus that it takes and energy that it takes and different kinds of collaboration. And even like the concept of dividing and conquering is not something we've had to do before really much. We'd collaborated on everything Um, simultaneously, usually, like in the same room doing the thing together. And now that's not really an option. So I feel like our, I feel a little disconnected from my creator self right now Mm -hmm. and my identity as a creator, except in the context of creating within the context of our home and experiences for our children and environment for our children. And and we are still making things. It's just, it's much slower. Mm-hmm. And whenever we do get to, like we, my mom's in town this, this week and we got to record some vocals in the studio yesterday and it just felt like, oh yeah, I love this. I miss this. I, I feel old parts of me come back when we do these things. So I feel like my identity is like, totally a blob right now in terms of like what a who i am in my relationship to my creative work um i'm picturing flubber the movie those little (laughs) characters that's like what i see in my mind when i think about like who i am as a creative (laughs) person right now i know great great thing to to remember huh no this is
0: beautiful this is the real stuff i love it
2: but um and I hope that's not discouraging to anyone who's awaiting a child or hoping for children or pondering having children. It's see- not all doom and gloom. It's just it's so different and we're still finding our way, I think. And I, and it, yes. there's so many phases that change. So it's just like you don't just like, oh yeah, we've got our sea legs now and we're cruising. It just kind of changes constantly. So we're just yes. I think we're learning a lot right now.
1: And I think we had we had established our way of doing things so firmly that for us we were trying to return to our old way after having our first child which we now know after the second child that was never on the table that's not that's just not that doesn't exist and it never it has not existed for two and a half years um but we thought thought we could get back there and that was not that's not the appropriate thing to do so if if you are awaiting a child or are thinking about that i think i would have i would have benefited from someone saying to me you you're gonna make up a whole new thing now. Mm-hmm. There's another there's another eternal being that lives at your house now. So mm. it's not yeah. gonna be the same ever again. In a very like you have to make a new thing up that that will kind of fold that that new person or people into itself. And that's that's mm-hmm. a good thing. It's and it powerful. just means you don't know how to do it. So mm. we I think we would have been much more gracious with ourselves had we understood that we could not, never return. To pre-child op- mode of operation, um, and on in practical terms, what we're doing now is I'm mostly producing music for other people this year. Once we finished our record, then I've been I've been producing for other people. And we're still and recording some. We're recording Lowland Hum stuff too in between those records. And Lauren has been arranging. I think some of her some of her best arrangement work she's done putting vocals together for other people's records. And I'm a part of that a little bit, but I've, I've loved, I think she's working at a very high level in these very small windows that we do have to do that. And I think that's something else I've never heard. No parent told me was that like your brain becomes intensely focused when you have time to do the creative work that you value so much in a way that I did not experience pre kids and it's not to say that I didn't work hard or focus in those pre-kid times. It's just your brain knows, oh, this is rare now, and so, and not just your brain, but you can kind of you have this sense like we're stepping into this thing. As long as that doesn't become a pressured thing, I think it's very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's exciting, and you trust your own instincts more, and you you kind of have to roll with your first, second, or third idea instead of many creatives endlessly iterate, sometimes to their um, detriment. And it's hard for them to find a way forward and and you lose momentum by the by the fact that the actual is less than the potential and you're just kind of it could be it could be anything right now this song Mm. could be anything and that's cool (laughs) it's really cool it's wonderful but i think Mm -hmm. the the limitation has led us down the most interesting paths in our collaboration and, and our limitation as people and and our limitation in terms of time.
2: I want to add to what you're saying about the focus because I have experienced that. And then there are also times when I have not experienced that oh, focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just in case anyone ever has that Same. experience where you, you have this window and you're like yes and you get in there and you're like my brain is blank or <laughs> it's just fried, not cooperating or yeah don't
0: you know enough. that I only have an hour <laughs> <laughs> that's and, true that could be very pressured. or it's like yeah. my body yeah. is
2: tired and that I want to encourage anyone who feels discouraged by that that back to that quote of I wish I I wish I had that book with me the Langle quote about feeding the lake um, mm-hmm. talking about you know you may not be making something in the moment, but all these things are feeding the lake of creative energy and, you know, your your relationships, your work, your quiet space, your active space. But in those moments it, it feels so much worse to just like beat my head against a wall trying to force something into existence when it's just not happening and my body might just need some sleep, or I might need to go on a walk, yes. and and those things are feeding the creative right. identity as well, and it's and, and yes. should be valued as much as output, I think. Yes, and I think sometimes we don't value that taking care of yourself and changing, just giving yourself a change of scenery if you can do that, or moving your body in a different way if you can do that. Those things are feeding something positive and something that will ultimately feed your work as a creative person
1: too. I'm so glad you said that because I think what's happening for us is, is certain things that some of this is just hard to do. It's just physically hard to do. The lack of sleep, all that stuff that everyone's heard about, about kids and everything. But, and, and a creative, you know, we both worked full time for a creative thing that we, that we give structure to, and then the whole thing's interrupted. So of course that's, it's, it's hard to figure that out and we need help to figure that out. and, and, I think it's a good thing to need help. I think it's a good thing to ask for help, and I think that creating from a place of increased wholeness—that's our goal. We want to become more, and for whatever we make to to flow from that um, becoming, you know, rather than just keep our output up, as you said. And I think that's one of the great benefits that I get uh, from living with Lauren is that I think she is naturally. She naturally is where she is. So people love to be with her and, and I think sometimes when people are with me, they can feel that I am thinking of these other things that I, I need to do and want to do and and I'm not always that way and but but my tendency is 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 kinda like let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And and I think I'm missing out a lot. And I was thinking about that this morning. So I, I think that's I'm really glad you said that. And I, I think it fallow time is is important. Uh, Wendell Berry talked about how in Japan, they've farmed the same land for 5,000 years. And in a couple hundred years, we've almost depleted the entire United States uh, of all nutrients Mm -hmm. in the soil because our entire focus is get the most as fast as possible. And I think we've applied that to all creative processes as well. Ring this person dry and and get every single ounce of whatever you can out of them while they're young. And I think... what I, one thing I loved about our mutual friend Al Brilliant is that he maintained creative energy right up until he was on his deathbed. And I mm-hmm. think the way he did that was was thinking more like uh, in the Japanese farmer mode of thinking of what you're doing now affecting you in twenty years. and you're doing these all these processes ripple out in in millions of unknown and unknowable ways. so, Trusting that you're not in charge of all of that, but, but trying to think about um, things in that, that way more. And, and anyway, Lauren's more geared that way, and I'm grateful for that presence in my life. Your silence reminds me of that one winter in that boat.
0: I found the quote from Madeline Engle that you're referring to. And she says, if the work comes to the artist and says, here I am, serve me, then the job of the artist, great or small, is to serve. The amount of the artist's talent is not what it is about. Uh, Jean Rise said in an interview in the Paris Review, listen to me, all of writing is a huge lake. There are great rivers that feed the lake like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky. And there are mere trickles like Jean Rise all that matters is feeding the lake. I don't matter, the lake matters. You must keep feeding the lake. Mm. And I was thinking that even You know, even as you guys Mm -hmm. are talking about this new season of figuring out parenthood and how it's kind of like a bomb went off and all the pieces are in in new configurations. It's like, we continue to feed the lake in all the seasons of our lives, no matter how different it looks. I've found, because I'm a a father of two children as well, you know, figuring out how to live the life of an artist in in the midst of family and all the different responsibilities of life. And I think there couldn't be a truer statement is that Mm -hmm. what Matters is that we keep feeding the lake, whether it's in a, a short little burst here or there, or whether we like Julia Cameron would tell us to do, to create an artist date where we get the babysitter and we know for three hours, we're gonna go there. Whatever feeding the lake looks like, writing on a, a napkin at lunch, you know, while you're feeding the baby or bow in the yard or whatever it might be, you know, I love that you brought that quote into it of feeding the lake.
2: That's cool too, because I'm, in my memory, it was like, the lake is like, an individual thing like we each oh, have yeah. our own lake that we're feeding, but I love That's thinking better, yeah. of it as like the broader lake that we're all feeding. Yeah. That is beautiful and yes. even more powerful. My friend
0: uh my friend Corey Fry who is the Uh, one of the leaders of the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective, he talks so much about the lineage of art that we've inherited by all of the artists and musicians that have gone before us, you know, rather than looking at it as a a scarcity mindset or a pie where I've got my slice of the pie and they have theirs. Mm -hmm. no approaching it as we are part of a lineage and we've inherited all that those who have gone before us have given to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that also feeds into the identity piece a bit. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've been
1: doing this deep dive on like rock and roll history and it's been so thrilling to just learn more about where all these different things come from. And all of it is just flowing yeah, it's it's just all it, it the lake thing makes a ton of sense we're just all adding little pieces into it and we're really oftentimes we're trying to do something we've heard before that we love so much and we just can't do it so then we accidentally mm-hmm. do something a little bit different and that somebody else hears that and is like oh man like that's what i want to do and then they can't <laughs> quite do it and then they did this other thing it's just it's so much more it's just so exciting to think about that flow like you said the lineage is good
0: yes well, listen, before we go, I want to ask you really quickly about the new album that you have coming out. Tell me the name of the album and what we can expect from this one.
2: Yeah, it's called From Self with Love. It's our eighth album. And it I think a lot of the songs are touching on and exploring what parts of ourselves are are lost or buried or changed by life experience and how do we hold on to or reach out to the parts of ourselves that we want to keep intact? Do we get to do that? I don't know. Those are some of the questions it's, it's exploring.
1: There are even a few songs where we've written a song addressing some part of ourselves that we hope is still there. Yeah, and I think you know we cared for uh, our friend Al Brilliant at the end of his life and experiencing that plus all the shifts that we've already discussed here. Just a lot of upheaval for us. And so the question is, how much of us has made it through that and i think it's a more universal question that that all of us are dealing with with the whole with this pandemic thing and the new way of so many people have a new way of working a new way of thinking a new way of relating to their community and um, we're all trying to find the way forward and not to get grandiose with it ours is really coming from our very personal thing but the hope is that we can invite people into exploring that together and we could learn hopefully find something there and and learn together and
2: sonically it's it's a I think the palette is a little bit broader on this album. We've got strings and horns and things that we haven't really um, explored not just, in the past. Yeah, it's not
1: just two voices and one guitar part, which is often what we've, we've done. We've so. done more than that <laughs> I know, but in the you past, know what I mean. but, but I it's, think it's, it's spread out a little <laughs> bit, which is we, we fun. We allowed
2: ourselves to kind of give ourselves permission to just kind of similarly just see what serves the song best in yeah, the situation right. and not limit ourselves in ways that we had before. So it was, it was fun to make.
0: That's beautiful. Well, when it comes out, I'll be sure to post about it and let everybody know about it. And, you know, one last thought. Tell me, what's the title of the album again?
1: From Self With Love.
0: I love that. It, it made me think even about our whole conversation here. You know, it as artists, we can tend to be very hard on ourselves sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we can tend to have all these dreams that turn into expectations. And sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves, like you mentioned earlier, to produce. And, you know, I think learning to love, even to love our neighbor as ourselves, you know, to, to come and approach our own lives, our, approach ourselves, by cultivating gentleness and flowing from season to season is such a beautiful concept. And I I can't wait to hear the songs on this new record. So Daniel, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today on Makers and Mystics podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
2: This has been a lovely conversation. Yeah, I agree.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave a kind review on Apple iTunes. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art.